Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Larry Henry, managing editor, SBI Soccer, and this is the Upper 90 podcast. And joining me for episode two is Roto World writer and co-host of Fantasy Premier League 360 podcast and my first editor when I got into writing, Chuck Booth. Chuck, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. No problem. And, you know, we're both fans of the English Premier League. My first episode, I got Tom Bogart on here, and he's a diehard Liverpool supporter. So I wanted to go with another one of the top four teams. And Chuck is a diehard Tottenham fan, so I wanted to get him on here, talk about the upcoming season. And we are going to dive right in to Tottenham and the Premier League. So, Chuck, obviously, I know you're excited for the Premier League to start. Um, Tottenham spending some money this summer. I mean, not tons yeah, for. Mo- yeah, go ahead. Uh, so at, at this point, I don't know who these Spurs are right now and where Daniel Levy has gone. Um, but it's very interesting to see them, and not only being linked with some of the bigger names in the market, but spending a ton of money on um, Dombele. Yeah, I, I'm, I was really shocked by it. Obviously, a lot of people knew about him from from his, I guess, short time at Lyon. I mean, he was on loan there, and then he ended up making a permanent move there from, from Amiens in France. Um, he's got six caps with the, the French team, and, you know, he's a young powerful midfielder who can drive with the ball and I mean Spurs uh, you know I was it was funny talking to even some of my my close friends that like Tottenham and they're amazed that they spent this much money because every transfer window it seems like they're not they're not going to spend the money they're not going to spend the money it's basically just a lot of the guys going out on loan um so they get him um, they also get Jack Clark from Leeds, uh, the 18-year-old. He's going to go back to Leeds on loan, but um, maybe one for the future um, with how young he is, and he was able to, to play for Leeds this past year in the championship. Um, so realistically, Chuck, I mean, this is a team that made the Champions League final. They lose in in heartbreaking fashion, really, and... Um, it was. I was kind of pulling for them because I didn't want to see Liverpool win it. Um, can can they win? Can they get back to that? And do you see them winning a trophy? Whether it's. I mean, I know the Premier League is going to be tough. You have Man City and Liverpool, kind of the two favorites. Um, they can easily get into you know the FA Cup or the League Cup, um, and then obviously you have the Champions League. Um, do you see them winning a trophy? And if you do, which one? Or, to be honest, because feels like this is what what like year three of Spurs, Spurs get a trophy or bust. Um, I, I feel like asking for a repeat Champions League run, while yes, Liverpool did do it, um, it's probably a pretty tall ask at this point. Um, but. I do truly believe that they have the capability and now this year probably have the depth to be able to make a deep cup run. 
Yeah, and, and the thing with Tottenham is we've seen it over the last few years. We know they have talent. You have Harry Kane, you have Deli Alley, you have Christian Eriksen, you have all these guys that can score goals. Sung Young Min um, stepping in when, when Harry Kane was hurt, and then Lucas Mora, um, the Tottenham hero uh, in, in the Champions League there. Um, so you have the scoring, you still have those those top quality defenders and out of Vareld, Vertagen, uh, Davidson Sanchez, you have Hugo Lloris. So the, the pieces are there. It's really just, you know, you have to really you have to cut back on maybe some draws and some losses to teams that are lower than you in the table and, and really take it to those teams like the Man Cities, like the Liverpools, um, like the Chelsea's that are, you know, fighting in the top four with you. Um, but then also I want to look at, you know, some of the guys that, that have left, you know, that have left this summer guys that are still kind of on the, the cusp of leaving that have been linked with leaving, um, Vincent Janssen going to Liga MX, probably a smart move on Tottenham's, uh, Tottenham's behalf. I mean, it was a guy that everyone kind of said, okay, he could score goals in other leagues, but can he do it in the premier league? That really didn't pan out. Um, Kieran Trippier goes to Atletico Madrid. Um, obviously, a talented defender was exposed at times. Um, and then, obviously, some guys that are still being linked with moves away. Danny Rose, um, Victor Wanyama, uh, guys that I've seen in the news that have been linked. Do you see any more guys, Chuck? Do, do you think that the team should say, okay, thank you for your service and go? Or do you see anyone else leaving this summer? It seems like at this point, if Ryan Sessegnon comes to the Spurs, that Danny Rose is gone. Which, honestly, like while Danny Rose was great at the end of last season, and I do love Danny Rose because he has been Spurs through and through since his move from Leeds, um, you have to look at the fact that he's an injury-prone 30-year-old left-back. Spurs would immediately get 10 years younger at that position just by signing Sessegnon. So, like, financially, considering both valuations are look about the same, it's almost a no-brainer to um, make that move and then roll with um, Sessegnon and Ben Davies. I, I don't really know how the midfield is going to shake out because it does look like you with um, signing Dombele that you don't really need Wanyama and Eric Dyer, but if you're potentially not going to replace Kieran Trippier, then you may want both due to the fact that Dyer can also deputize it right back if needed. Yeah, I mean, and like we like I said, we still have a couple more uh, a couple more weeks till the season gets underway and the transfer window obviously continues a little bit. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. One guy I want to touch on just because, I mean, it's a guy that, that I've written about at SBI that we've touched on because, you know, he's in, he's featured for the U.S. team. Uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers, a uh, young defender who's kind of getting a little maybe a little lost in the weeds. I mean, it was always going to be tough for him to start with the likes of Adeverald and Vertagen, and then you get Davinson Sanchez. And so, you know, now he's really falling. Um, he, you know, he's gone on some loans to the championship. He's done well at times. I think he did really well with Swansea City. Um, it, he's been linked with 
with some teams in the championship. Um, I, I even thought, who knows, maybe he spent a loan at Sheffield United at one point. Maybe that was a guy that, okay, you could bring him in and he goes to another Premier League team, no problem. Um, do you think Spurs will will let him go this summer or do you think it's going to be another another loan spell to the championship or, or maybe even uh, you know one of those teams like Sheffield United or, or Norwich City that maybe could use depth? Yeah, I think he's probably um, reached the point that DeAndre Yedlin did at Spurs, where he needs to just be sold to the championship for the best of his career. Um, Out of the teams where he could end up, I'm honestly not particularly sure um, where he'd go, because Swansea probably would seem like the most likely destination to put a bid in for him, but... The market down there has been kind of insane and can change immediately just with there being so many teams. Yeah, and I remember reading not that long ago, Swansea City, I mean, a lot of Swansea City fans were coming out and saying, bring him back, bring him back, we'd love to have him. Um, Also, the team wasn't, I don't know how much money, like I said, how much money they they have available to spend, whether they want to spend um, that much for a guy who, like I said, he's only played... In the championship, he you know he played at Sheffield United, he played at Ipswich, uh, Ipswich Town. Um, but I mean, we've seen it with some other guys now. Um, not not only the American defenders, um, but a couple of them have have been sold to the championship. Anthony Robinson from Everton's the the one of the more recent that he went on to Wigan Athletic last year, did well, gets injured, comes back from the injury, does even better really, and then now he gets a full permanent move to Wigan which is you know good for him because Everton already have their their left backs figured out one and two um Mm -hmm. now I want to switch a little bit um to so far the transfer window we've seen some moves um some recent moves obviously in the last couple weeks Sebastian Holler going to West Ham um Yolenton going to Newcastle from Hoffenheim. Uh, a couple, a couple guys, not really big, big name players, you know, like the Paul Pogba's and stuff like that coming into the Premier League. Um, but uh, Chuck, who are some teams that you know you you've thought have done really well so far this transfer window? I mean, number one um, kind of has to start with Leicester City. Um, just alone, keeping um, Yuri Tillemans was enough alone to make their transfer window a success. And then adding Iose Perez on top of that um, just seems like a perfect cherry on top, especially if they're able to um, keep hold of Harry Maguire. Um, I think after, after that, unfortunate as it may be um, number two for me is probably Manchester City because they had realistically one very clear need that we all could see and that was a defensive midfielder to deputize when Fernandinho um, doesn't play and not only did they fill that position but in Rodri filled that position with a very young guy who can end up being a massive piece on the team for years to come. 
Yeah, I mean, Le- Leicester City was definitely, you know, my number one as well. Um, getting Tillemans back, he he was there, you know, on loan and then gets a permanent move. I mean, he's only 22 and, and he's shown really good signs. I mean, he has 23 caps with Belgium. I mean, he has more caps with Belgium than he does his actual age, which is crazy. Um, and, and, you know, he's ex- he's experienced with the team. He knows the team. He got to work with Brandon Rogers a little bit. Um, now he gets a full season under him this year. And then obviously Iosi Perez coming from Newcastle, probably a good change of scenery for him uh, to go to Leicester. I think a team that's going to be, you know, obviously fighting to get into that, like, you know, seven, eight, six, seven, eight range, um, maybe if they're lucky. Um, I think Aston Villa did pretty well too, just getting some guys. Um, they get Tyrone Mings on a permanent deal from Bournemouth who they had on loan last year you know he had really struggled for game time at Bournemouth and and he got more basically about the same amount of appearances with with Aston Villa on loan than he did with his whole couple seasons with Bournemouth um so that wasn't a bad move I think getting uh and then they also got uh, Wesley from Club Bruges, who's a talented attacker. Um, they got Douglas Louise recently from Manchester City, who he's a young guy. He, he's a young Brazilian who uh, he's been with uh, Girona in, in La Liga um, of late. So I think they've done pretty well. Norwich City, I think, has made some some pretty good moves as well to kind of pad that roster coming up from the championship. Um, Chuck, if you had to say one team that has been you know, the loser so far of this transfer window. I mean, I know we still have some time left and obviously teams are, you know, work, they have money to, not that much money to work with at times, but who would you say has been the loser so far? That's a little bit of a tougher one, Um, but assuming everyone rumored to leave, leaves and everyone rumored to come, which is no one comes, it's, probably Crystal Palace because um, a team that would have very easily been placed as a mid-table team this year but if they don't replace Juan Bissaka and they do lose Wolfie Zaha um, it's kind of like who's going to stop the goals from coming in and who's going to score them for that team next year yeah, and, and it was it was kind of a head-scratcher for me as well with Crystal Palace. Obviously, um, you know, they have talent. Um, they have talent on the team. And then, you know, you lose Juan Basaka, who's who's a talented uh, defender. I mean, you know, going through their list of people that they that they lost, okay. I mean, Jason Punchin wasn't really playing that much. Um, Bakary Saka wasn't really playing that much. I mean, the only guys they've got in was... Uh, Jordan Jordan Ayew from Swansea City and then they got a free deal for Steven Henderson but yeah I mean it wasn't like tons of moves um, when you look through other teams that really haven't brought in that much I mean yeah Manchester United you know you do get Juan Bissaka you get Daniel James who's a a young talent talented Welsh midfielder but I mean for the light for the standards of Manchester United you'd even think like you know they're linked with everybody and anybody and um, they really haven't made too mo- too many moves um, Newcastle's only made the one move with, with Jolinton. Um, and then, you know, you go through a lot of the other teams. I mean, Tottenham had the two moves. Watford really haven't. I mean, they got Craig Dawson on a, on a, a deal from West Brom, but 
I mean, he's the only real one with experience. Um, but like I said, we have time to see what, what happens. There's there's still some some time left to go in the transfer window. And, you know, I mean, we never know with guys getting hurt. I mean, you saw Liverpool. I mean, they just lost Nathaniel Klein, who, who gets injured and, and all. So, um, so who knows? Um, but I, my next segment, Chuck, I wanted to touch on with you. Obviously, um, you know, you're involved a lot with the fantasy Premier League scene. Um, uh, who are some guys that, I mean, I know you've already started your, you know, your previews and stuff for the season. Who are some guys that, um, for the fantasy Premier League players that are, that are listening, who are some guys to keep an eye on? Um, and then who are obviously some, some favorites to, to keep an eye on for, for this season? Um, so I guess I'll probably just go through and do mainly like a budget forward midfielder and defender. Okay. Um, so at forward, the first person that I've, I've been looking at right now, especially with their early run to start the season, and as of right now, of course, assuming that they don't sign a center forward, is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Because um, he's someone who was able to score, I believe, nine goals for Everton last year, playing starting kind of about 50% of their games with the fact that Richarlison was also um, used as a center forward, but ran hot or cold in that position depending on the day. Um, and he could be in for a very large breakout this season. Um, number two is Pascal Gross. Um, moving in, into likely a number 10 role with Brighton as they move into more of a 4-2-3-1 under Graham Potter and also swapping out Anthony Canarcart on the wing for Leandro Tussard who's a much more clinical player that brings more to the game I think that um, he'll also be be able to recapture his form from his first year under for Brighton as opposed to how things went last year when he was injured for most of the year. And at Defender, I'm looking at Jack O'Connell from Sheffield United for one of my center back spots um, because they were the joint top defense in the championship last season with him netting three goals and also getting three assists. And while I don't necessarily think that he'll have as many assists this season, I do fully believe that he'll be 100% a threat on corners while Sheffield United's organized attack and defense will lead to him getting more, um, getting some clean sheets as well. Yeah, I mean it'll it'll be interesting to see, definitely how it shakes out um, with with the picks. Um, you know, who knows? I might be I might be adding one of these guys onto my fantasy team this year. Um, I what did want to touch on since you actually brought up Sheffield United, I did want to touch on the three new teams um, and, and obviously talk about them and and see what 
see who ha- really has the best chance of staying staying up. Um, we have Aston Villa, Norwich City, and Sheffield United. Sheffield United, obviously, they've been out of the Premier League the longest, but um, I mean, they really did a heck of a job there. Chris Wilder um, did, did a heck of a job with the group to get them up, and um, but it, it's not easy. I mean, Chuck, we see it every year. Teams come up and they score boatload of goals in the championship and they concede concede not that many and then they they play the teams like Chelsea and Man City and Liverpool and Tottenham and some games and they just get wrecked and you know it's kind of on a a tailspin from that so um so which team Chuck do you think has the best chance of staying up and do you see you know if you had to put money on it right now a few weeks before the season of any team staying up out of the three, who would it be and why? Um, well, right now, it's it's Sheffield United due to the fact that I do believe that they have made smart signings um, to start their transfer window. And I I think that a, premier, a good defense translates better to the Premier League than a, good, than a good offense does and Sheffield United's game plan should translate the best out of any other promoted teams um, because like Norwich on paper looks really good but if you look at Norwich's games while they were in the championship they dominated possession in most of them to be able to actually create their chances and try to keep teams off the score sheet which they're not going to be able to do that in the Premier League. Um, Aston Villa is a very interesting case because they won like 10 of their final 12 games to make it to the Premier League. Um, But they're also just a bit of a wait-and-see team because they've made so many signings. Like They could very easily be Fulham last year. Yeah, I, I think all three of them have they have guys that you know could could be Premier League players again. I mean, you look at all three of the teams um, in Aston Villa. You have the likes of Jack Grealish, who, who did very well um, last season. I mean, you go through the roster: John McGinn, um, players like that. They bring in obviously Trez, Trezeguet, who's been. Uh, done really well he's you know he's got a lot of caps with egypt um going through all all three of these teams it's tough because um like i said you know you can roll through the championship and and you could be the first team relegated uh in the premier league um so it'll be interesting i'm really interested to see what sheffield united does because anytime you get a team that comes in um like sheffield united who haven't been in the premier league um in a while and you know you bring i always think it's cool you bring in these these different stadiums and sometimes even when i think a few years back you know when bournemouth made it i think bringing that vitality stadium in you know it was a smaller stadium and it was always could the the big teams really go there and 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 deal with that low of a tent you know that that jam-packed attendance that that's going to be on your back the whole game um so it'll be interesting. I, I really think Sheffield United is a good chance to step. I think they all do. Um, I mean, one player I'm, I'm really eager to see in 
the Premier League is Billy Sharp for Sheffield United. Um, I mean, just his story of playing, you know, a lot of lower league football and, and never really getting that chance in the Premier League. And, and now he's 33 years old and he's going to get his chance. And and oh, by the you know by the way, he's coming off 24 goal season with with with, with the Blades. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. I'm really intrigued for it. Um, now, Chuck, my my question for you is. Um, we touched on it with Tottenham a little bit. Um, how do you see the top four shaking out? Um, at this point, I'd go City one, just because I really can't, like, until proven otherwise, I can't see a team beating them over a full-length season. Um, like, yes, you can beat them in a game, but... That doesn't mean you can win the war. There's just still far too much with that team, even if players get injured, that I find it really hard to not see them finish first again. Um, then I have Liverpool second again. Um, at the moment, I do still believe that Spurs are probably the third best team in the Premier League and then that the crap shoot for fourth place will probably be taken by Arsenal. Yeah, I'm definitely intrigued to see how the the spots, you know, four, five, six really, really pan out because I'm not sure what you can really definitely expect from Manchester United. I mean, obviously they've, they've made a couple moves, but, um, you know, they, they really dropped off after Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got that permanent, um, status and they kind of, they, they hit a dry spell there. And then, I mean, they had that good kind of run going in the champions league, but, um, I mean, that kind of ended. And then obviously you have, you know, Arsenal, you have Chelsea, you know, Chelsea, what what's what are we gonna see from Christian Pulisic coming in? You know, you lose Eden Hazard. Um, they can't bring in that many players. I mean, they can't really bring anybody in because of the, the ban. Um, so it'll be intriguing to see uh, how that works out with them. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really up for grabs. I, I definitely agree with you with the order there. Um, uh, I mean, when you look at the, the numbers from last year, I mean, Man City wins the league by a point. They have four losses, and Liverpool has one loss. I mean, how how many times are you going to see a team lose one game the whole season and you don't win the league? I mean, yes, they had seven draws compared to City's two. But, I mean, and then it was kind of that big drop-off after from Liverpool to Chelsea. I mean, you're talking to 25 points. It's, that's insane. Yeah, it's, it was unreal. Yeah, and, I mean, it, it'll... I'm sure everybody already has the Man City Liverpool um, head-to-head game circled on their calendar because I mean, not to say that that's going to decide the title because we, like I said, we could see it again where Liverpool drop a couple games, drop a couple points with ties, and, and Man City um, get some you know strong performances at the end of the season, like you know with Vincent Company scoring that goal against Leicester City. Um, some other games that went their way uh, at the end of the season, and they end up winning winning the league again. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I'm definitely definitely looking forward to it. Um, and I want to see Man City Tottenham because 
I do fully believe that part of the scouting book and why Dombele was such an intriguing target for Spurs is because of him absolutely destroying Manchester City with Lyon. Yeah, and and Tottenham's always the team that I mean, I mean, I I support Man City, and I, I, that's the game. That's the team in the game that sometimes I get always get a little nervous about because, especially when it's Tottenham away, because you know you're always you never know what can happen. Um, you know, obviously we saw what happened in the Champions League between the two teams. I mean, they played really you know a heck of a two two game. Uh, two-legged tie, um, and then you know Man City has that last chance to advance, and, and VAR go, you know goes against them. Um, so I mean, there's a lot of talent on both sides, and I'm definitely intriguing for that. And we will we will have that three week three weeks into the season. Um, Tottenham go to Man Man City, or it's two week two weeks so two weeks in the season. I'm sorry, um, August seventeenth, Tottenham at Manchester City. Um, a busy stretch for Spurs to start off. I mean, you have Aston Villa at home and you have Newcastle at home, but you also have Man City and Arsenal away. So Yeah, I I don't understand the Premier League scheduling this year. Like I I get that I guess you can't choose to have those games this early in the season. But like it just seems pretty ridiculous to have those games in the four, first four weeks of the season. Yeah, I mean, you're playing, I mean, Tottenham's, you know, if you're looking at Tottenham, you're playing two teams that were in the top five in, in its first four weeks of the season. And then, you know, you toss in the, I mean, you toss in Newcastle and Aston Villa, which, you know, they should be wins, but you never know what's going to happen. Um, now we're going to switch over um, to Major League Soccer. Um, when I actually started writing, I started writing, uh, covering Philadelphia sports and you know, Chuck was my, my editor uh, at Fan Sighted, and um, and and that we both you know we both like the union. We both we both support the union, and um, and Chuck also does a, a podcast as well uh, on the Philadelphia Union. And um, so, Chuck, I wanted to start off with the union first in the East. Um, you know, what have your thoughts been so far about this season? And were you expecting any of this? in March um, with you know with the the offseason roster moves and then obviously later in the season David Akam goes um, and, and all were you expecting them to be at first place at this point of the season or are you kind of yeah any, anyone who says they expected this is a liar um, <laughs> I was I was basically I thought I was being optimistic by saying that the union could be a top four team in the east um, at the beginning of the season, because I did not think even close that they would be at one point running away with the East and then now coming back to Earth and being up by, I believe, what is it, one point now? Uh, three points, three points. Uh, it's one game. Yeah. Um, yeah, but this season has been pretty unreal, especially considering that you got your $3 million man in Marco Fabian, and he's only had three good games of the entire season. Um, I, I, I still don't fully understand how the union have gotten to where they are, but I'd like to thank Jamiro Montero for it. Yeah, Jamiro Montero, obviously, you know, for a lot of the listeners who may not 
and you know know about him. He, you know, he comes in on loan from from France, from from Mets in France, and and really just you know he's kind of like a silent assassin, really. I mean, he, he's put in really good performances. Nobody really seemed to talk about him, and then once he started to to put in those consistently good performances, now you know you, you see a lot of of not only media but um you know other teams in the league really giving him respect and um yeah i mean this point in the season uh yeah no i had zero percent that i think the union would be first um i think though now we are starting to see those teams that we are expecting to be up there um at the east kind of find their groove a little bit um you know atlanta united is three points out um they're kind of it's weird with them because, like I said, you know they they won Atlanta United. They you know, they won two in a row. Then before that, they lose in Seattle. Um, I mean, right behind them, you have a point behind them, DC United. A point behind them, you have the Red Bulls. Two points behind them is NYCFC in fifth. And oh, by the way, the Union have played four games more than NYCFC at this point in the season. Um, so. I mean, we still have a lot of season left. Uh, Chuck, how far do you see the Union going? And do you see them? I mean, I, I think... I really do think... I mean, obviously, I think they're going to make the playoffs. But do you see them finishing uh, the at the end of the season first in the Eastern Conference? Or do you see that, that Atlanta United or, or DC United or the Red Bulls jumping up and taking that top spot? Um, I still do think that NYCFC ends up winning the East. Um, I know the thing with games in hand is that you actually need to win them, and it could run them into the ground with all of them catching up at the end of the season. But when when all of their attackers are actually clicking, they probably have the best attack in the Eastern Conference right now. And that even includes Atlanta United's good days right now. Um, the But... I do think the Union are in for a deep playoff run, but I don't believe that they'll win the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, if you had to put money on it right now, who would you say is representing the Eastern Conference in the MLS MLS Cup in December? Um, somehow, someway, New York Devils. Hmm, very, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously anything... Anything is possible. I mean, the Red Bulls, like I said, you know, they're they're still they're still putting in good performances, even maybe when they're not at their best. I mean, there's been games when Kaku has been suspended. I mean, Bradley Wright Phillips was out for a long time. He's coming back. I mean, they've been getting some goals from from guys like Brian White and Tom Barlow, Daniel Oyer, guys like that have been chipping in. And, yep, and that's a big reason why in a fewer dot playoff game. You can't plan to face that team. Because who are you going to stop? Everyone? No, you can't. And, uh, and the, the thing with the Union is, I mean, obviously, I, I think Jim Curtin deserves a lot of praise for it. I mean, he, he gets a, you know gets that one-year extension last year for this year, and then now he gets a multi-year um, contract. Um, I, I just think that he's done a good job with this group. Uh, with, with the guys that have left. I mean, when they started off the season, you know, I was there the home opener when they, they played Toronto FC, 
And, you know, they lose 3-1, to one, and then they go on the road to Sporting Kansas City. They lose, and it's like, okay, here we go again. And and then they, they roll off some, some good results. I mean, they, they picked up good results um, at this point in this, I mean, several times this season. I mean, they, they went to Minnesota United, who's been one of the biggest surprises, I think, in the league with, with how well they're doing, and they, they get it three points. There they they fight back to beat the Red Bulls at home. The the forever will be known as the Elsinio game. Um, they they win that. So I mean they've taken some lumps too. I mean they've they lost the NYCFC who they you know they seem to struggle with especially up at Yankee Stadium. Um, they they just had that beat down with RSL a couple weeks back. Um, and and there's there's still a lot of games on the schedule that that aren't easy. I mean, you have the you have the impact this week. Who, who? I mean, I mean, they've been struggling a little bit to get back up to where they were. Um, they still have two games against DC United, who, which I think will be interesting. Um, they have Atlanta United at home. They have LAFC at home. They still have to go to the Red Bulls, and then um, who knows? That last game of the season, they have NYCFC at home on uh, on. Uh, Decision day, the, the the final day of the regular season. Probably know that could be for the conference. Yeah, I mean, and and right now, who knows if you're putting the money money on the union because, like I said, they've they've kind of struggled with NYCFC. But the the positive is that they're at home. They're not going to Yankee Stadium uh, like last year, and then having to go back to Yankee Stadium to to get knocked out. Um, one guy I want to touch on with the union. Um, uh, you know, I've written about him a little bit, obviously, with, with Americans Abroad. Um, and then, conveniently enough, he, he signs with the Philadelphia Union. Uh, Andrew Wooten, uh, a guy who, you know, really floated around in Germany, um, had a really a career year this past year with Sandhausen um, in the, uh, the two Bundesliga, um, 17 goals and 31 appearances. He comes to the union. I, I think it was a huge pickup, to be honest. Um, he he needed. He said, you know, to the media there, he wanted to come back to. He wanted to play in MLS. He wanted to, to come back here. I'm sure in the back of his mind, he he, he wants another call into the U.S. Men's National Team, but I, I don't know if he's going to get it. Obviously, because of his age and the the amount of talent that the young talent the U, U.S. have. Um, you know, what did you think of the move, Chuck? And do you see him having, uh, you know, a major impact as we go into these, um, you know, kind of dog days of, of summer and then into the fall? Oh, I love it because if there was one thing that you needed, it was a goal scorer. Um, and that is obviously a skill that he brings and then some. Um, another thing with him joining the team is it has sparked a fire under Papa Pico and Casper Shabilko with both of them scoring like, it was like six and four games or something like that after mm-hmm. his signing. Um, and I do believe that since either one of them wants to lose their spot, that they will hopefully keep that form up. Um, because he is coming and hope, hopefully he'll actually start this game against the Impact after he's been in training with the union for a while because um, they could use some of his ability not only with striking the ball but being able to pass it to set others up too. 
Yeah, and and obviously I think it was a great signing for the union. It was it was really good for both parties because he gets a team. He get he's able to come in and and come in right away. And obviously Ernst Tanner knew him from his time in Germany. Um, and and you know like I said, it's kind of like he's already making the team better, and he's not putting in any goals yet because like you said, he's he's kind of lighting a fire underneath underneath Shabilko and Pico. Um, uh, one other guy I just wanted to touch on, um, he, we've we've forgotten about obviously because he hasn't been with the team. Uh, Corey Burke, um, Pro Soccer USA uh, had said reported earlier this week that Corey Burke, the union are trying to get him alone. Um, obviously, he hadn't been with the team because of with with visa issues and and all. Um, they're going to try to get him alone. Do you, do you see him kind of coming back at some point this year, Chuck? And or do you kind of just think um, not really? I I think the ship has sailed on him um, playing for the union. There one interesting thing that um, my co-host for Youth on the Bridge of Philadelphia Union podcast pointed out is that um, the White Strike Premier League in Jamaica starts in September. Um, so it could make a whole lot of sense since Corey Burke can't come into the U.S. for him to be loaned to a team in that league. Yeah, I mean, it would, it would make the most sense. Obviously, I, you know, a lot of us had heard earlier in the year, early in the summer, really, that the union were going to try to get him a loan to get him. I mean, he's been training in, in Jamaica. I mean, obviously training and, and a lot and first team minutes and actual game action is completely different um yeah I, I i agree with you i don't think he's gonna really play a part obviously with the in the depth chart too i mean if he does if he was able to come back i mean you're not gonna beat out the likes of the guys that are in front of you right now um yeah i mean i honestly think that he's played his last game for the union period not just this season all right well we'll see we will see uh we'll see what happens next with mr burke um and then my last, last thing with the union, um, obviously we talked about some guys that have done well. Jamiro Montero, Kai Wagner is, has done really well. Uh, another find in, in the German uh, lower leagues. Um, he's done well. I, I think, you know, obviously the guys, like we had said, Shabilko has put in some goals. He's done well. Um, are, are there still some guys that you think that need to step up really at this point of the season with with like i said we have some really important games coming up dc united twice atlanta united i mean at one point in the season you're playing dc united at home atlanta united at home lafc at home and then you're off to the red bulls and then even you throw in the san jose game because of how well san jose is playing of late yeah, um, that, that was looked at as an easy game at the beginning of the season but it will not be um i mean there are two players in particular and need to improve their performances for the union to finish where they want to finish. And one is Austin Trusty, who it seems that he's just regressed massively this season. Uh, I don't know if some of it is the fact that he's played too much time um, or that he's just not sure about where he wants to pass the ball, but he's been involved in just far too many careless turnovers and just issues with um, general carelessness with the ball. Um, and then two is Marco Fabian. Like, you were bought to 
guy on this team. And right now, you've just been one of the guys. And that needs to change um, for the Union to, like, win the East. Yeah, I mean, obviously you had a, you know, a good price tag and all. Uh, Marco Fabian, obviously, he, he was injured for a little bit. And then even at some point, Union fans were like, okay, well, we're just going to we're just gonna ride with what we got. I mean, Brandon Aronson was playing well. Um, and, you know, Montero was playing well. Now he's banged up, so they're not sure when he's definitely going to be back. I don't think it's going to be this weekend. Um so yeah, I mean, obviously there's some guys I think that that need to uh, definitely need to to step up. Um, I'm I'm really surprised the uh, at one point the union didn't really make a move to to bring in maybe another. I mean now they have R.J. Allen, but um, with some some points how badly I think Ray Gaddis was playing. Uh, and, and I mean obviously you know what you're going to get from Ray Gaddis. He's not going to bomb forward. He's not you know that and all. But there were some points, some games. You know, you could just pick out, you know, silly mistakes or, you know, not tracking back. Um, but we will see. I mean, like I said, we have a lot of season to go. We have two, yeah, about two and a half months left to go. So um, we will see. Chuck, if, if you had to give me your prediction right now for MLS Cup 2019 and wherever, um, who, who would you have? Um, I it being LAFC New York Rebels which means Rebels are going to get steamrolled because LAFC could finally be the team that um, win Supporter Shield and the Cup because I just can't see anyone actually beating them no I can't either I think you know a lot of people have you know I mean the LA Galaxy did beat them Zlatan Ibrahimovic does what he does he backs up his talk and he scores a hat trick um and was very lucky not to get that suspension uh, for that that elbow um, as well. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous that he didn't get a suspension. No, no, I I think that's just Zlatan, you know, being Zlatan in a way where he's you know he's not going to get um, suspended. I really think it would be pretty cool to see LAFC and Atlanta United uh, in the MLS Cup, who we will have this week in MLS at Bank of California Stadium. Um, just with all that offensive firepower, I mean, you have Carlos Velo, you have Joseph Martinez. Um, you know, I, I mean, we will see, we will see we'll be, we will see where we will be booking our uh, airplane flights to MLS Cup this year. Uh, kind of hope it's closer than LA. Um, I don't really want to go to LA in December, but um, but we will see. We have a lot of time to go. Chuck Booth, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can check him out. Roto World Premier League and also uh, on the Fantasy Premier League 360 podcast and views from the bridge. Chuck, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me.